Back to moving forward with young voices. This is uh, Joe Carey, and I have to tell you, the uh, hearing what millennials and Gen Z, what their perspective on the issues are, um, it really is amazing. And and I think even more impressive, the solutions that they're suggesting to some of the biggest problems that we are facing. And I think, in, in my opinion, one of the biggest issues we're facing politically is uh donald trump you know i get it he's number 45 he's he's golfing in florida now but there's a lot of reconciliation that still needs to take place with the policies and i guess joe biden is doing his best to do that you have his cultural impact and then you have the impact on the party our next guest amy uh, lutz uh she wrote an article in the washington times which basically says look Let's add up the leisure. Let's look at what he did right. Let's look at his legacy and let's balance those two things out. So, Amy, let me turn the time over to you. If you had to summarize Donald Trump's biggest accomplishments in four years as president, what would be on that side of the scale? Absolutely. And thanks for having me on. You know, so so there's a handful of things. You know, Donald Trump's presidency was certainly a mixed bag. We'll talk about the other side of things here in a second. But uh, it's almost cliche to talk about his record with the judiciary appointments to the Supreme Court, the federal bench, um, over almost 200 appointments to the federal bench, really just a reshaping of the court system um, for for the right. Uh, and, you know, until the coronavirus pandemic, the economy was doing pretty well with tax cuts, with, um, you know, unemployment going down. He had a lot to celebrate. And honestly, his his popularity ratings, which were always pretty low, but did reflect that, um, relatively speaking. And right towards the end of his presidency, we saw maybe hope for peace in the Middle East. All of these deals that he brokered between Israel and a handful of other countries uh, were very positive. And so there really are a handful of things that that conservatives and people on the right can celebrate. So if that's on one side of the ledger, let's turn to the other side. So he he accomplishes these these things. I mean, peace in the Middle East. I mean, you know, to, to have these countries, I think five recognize mm-hmm. Israel. I think Israel just opened an embassy in uh, in one of the countries, I mean, huge steps forward, all happening almost in the background. But there was a cost associated with that. Donald Trump was not your typical politician, uh, not your typical president. Um, there was a high cost to that. How would you define that cost? Absolutely. So one of the questions I think we all probably have for ourselves that has no answer is, would any other president on the right do these things that Donald Trump did? You know, we, we don't really know. Um, but as you're alluding to, there was a cost for what we ended up getting. And, and those were, were big accomplishments. Um, but the right looks a lot differently now than it did in 2015 and 2016. It's divided. Um, there's a lot of animosity between people on the right. And Donald Trump both highlighted already existing div- divisions and exacerbated it. You know, although he did uh, condemn things like white supremacy on occasion, he really fumbled it on others during debates, during interviews after Charlottesville. Um, He said things that arguably you could be said were playing footsie with some of the members of the alt-right. Some of the comments he's had to say about women, people of different races were not exactly things that people on the right should celebrate. And at the end, you know, his, his term ended with the literal attack on the U.S. Capitol, which 
for the most part, until until he was kicked off Twitter, until the very end, he seemed to support at least the um, presence of the protesters here. And so, you know, Donald Trump's legacy uh, really will, in maybe a very negative way, shape the future of the Republican Party and shape the right. And that is what conservatives have to reckon with now. If Donald Trump were, uh, he was impeached once, and mm-hmm. the uh, the Senate uh, failed, I guess, to convict or failed to impose any punishment. Mm-hmm. He's up for trial again. Uh, it looks like the Chief Justice of the United States doesn't want anything to do with this. Uh, he's not going to preside. So they get uh, a, a nonpartisan like Patrick Leahy. Uh, and I say that obviously very sarcastically, he's going to preside over this. Do you think this is the kind of step that's needed and necessary, not from the left, like forget the left, they're going to want to do this, not even from the American people per se. Do you think it's a good thing for the Republican Party to go through a second impeachment with Donald Trump under this scenario? You know, I, as controversial as this might sound, I do sound, I do think that it is, you know, there's something that's very, that feels very destabilizing about impeachments and then the trial that's going to go on in the Senate, but the Republican party and people on the right have to reckon with what happened. They have to look at the evidence of, you know, what happened on January 6th and the days leading up to it and how the president responded. And, you know, we're not exactly sure how that's going to turn out, to be honest, because of the votes, he probably will be acquitted again. Um, in the Senate. But I think this is an opportunity, if the senators take it seriously, um, on the right, to look at the evidence, um, consider, to be honest, maybe their role in it. You had senators like Josh Hawley, who were up there as well, celebrating um, celebrating that riot, to be honest, on January 6th. And so it's going to be painful. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be something that conservatives want. But I think it's an important discussion that we have to have. If he's acquitted, is that vindication for Donald Trump? For Donald Trump, probably. Um, I think he will use it. And to be honest, most politicians would do this. But Donald Trump, especially, he's an entertainer by nature. He'll send out press releases from the new office of the former president, which was just established about how he'd been acquitted and how, you know, this was this was a scam or, or something like that. So I think that probably will embolden him and some of his supporters. Uh, let me ask you, let me just switch gears a little bit here. Um, Joe Biden comes in. At first, he was very uh, noncommittal towards the impeachment. And I guess it was yesterday he comes out and says, look, this process has to happen, right? We've got to go through it. But then in the same breath, he says, they're not going to vote to convict, right? You need 17 Republican senators. That's not going to happen. So it seems like Biden sees the need to move on. He understands that this is sucking some energy out of his first hundred days. Um, How long is Donald Trump, even though he's not president, still going to be the focal point of politics in the United States? That's an excellent question, and I'm not sure anyone has a perfect answer for it. Um, But certainly we're going to keep talking about Donald Trump at the very least through um, this impeachment trial, which hopefully will be, you know, dealt with pretty quickly uh, in early February, but um, it almost kind of depends on what the Biden and his administration does. If they start pushing forward additional executive orders and legislative proposals that really kind of suck the air out of the Trump um, phenomenon, we could see things shift back that way. But at the same time, Trump isn't going anywhere, and I think it's up to the the right to determine what role he has uh, in the party going forward. 
Well, let me ask you this, uh, Amy. We have Donald Trump. Like you said, he just created the uh, former office of the uh, president of the United States, which from a PR perspective, I think is just absolutely brilliant. Um, So he creates that office. How do Republicans work through this? Like, for instance, in Utah, we have uh, one senator, Mike Lee, who I think is firmly, you know, in the Donald Trump camp. Then you have another senator, Mitt Romney, who probably the biggest thorn in, in Donald Trump's side on the Republican side of the of, of the issues. What does this look like to you when you say the Republicans have to work this out? The Republican Party has to uh, uh understand Trump's legacy and deal with it. What does that mean to you when you say that? Sure. So I think it's up for the up to the Republican Party to figure out what they actually stand for. You might remember back in 2020, they really didn't come up with a platform um, at the convention. They just used the one from 2016, which kind of eliminated any need for real discussion and actually coming to a decision on um, on the things that the party should stand for. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, Mitt Romney, for example. Mitt Romney and Josh Hawley are in the same party. And if we expand that to Congress, you have people like Matt Gates, who is completely on the other side of, of Mitt Romney. And the question that I have and that I think the Republican Party needs to answer and the right more generally needs to answer is, what is it that unifies um, those type of people? Is is there anything? Um, what are the, you know, we always talk about it being a big tent. What are the tent poles? Like what holds that tent up? And we have not had that discussion, I don't think, in a long time. And it's really important for the different factions to come together, no matter how much they might not like each other right now. And determine what that is, even if that means some people are no longer going to be in the party and will go and do something elsewhere. We have 30 seconds, Amy. Do you think the Democrats are going through the same type of soul searching with the factions in their party? Well, I mean, I certainly think parties always are. They're doing similar soul searching. I think they're quote unquote, civil war will have been quelled for a time because they're in power. But by the time the midterms roll around, I think we'll certainly see that accelerate on the left as well. I think you're 110% right on that. Hey, we're talking to Amy Lutz. Amy, thank you for joining us. How can people follow you or uh, see what you're writing? Absolutely. So I write for Young Voices. Uh, Go to their website to see what I've written. And I'm on Twitter at Amy Lutz 4. You are listening to Moving Forward with Young Voices. We'll be back right after this commercial break. 